Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Make sure to go check their website and take a peek at some of their recipes, like their delicious Greek chicken meal with roasted potatoes and yogurt sauce, or their Chicago-style Italian beef sandwich with a side of parm fries. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Lads, hello there. Good afternoon. I had to look yeah. at the clock. Good. One forty-two. We don't record in the early afternoons as much. We've been so we've been going to that five four thirty like formula. It's nice to be back around typical two on one podcast recording times. It feels exactly. like we're back. More we're away. really back. We are back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, preseason's still going on, so that sucks. But luckily, to, exactly. But to help us through it, all or nothing is out, guys. So Daniel has not watched it yet. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. I've watched uh, so, it for Daniel. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, Alex watched it again, so he has. He'll make up the third sort of point. Um, yeah, we watched it together with Mike and some fellas, Don, Will, guys who have been on the show, Nick Baldwin, really nice guy. Um, so we're gonna open the show talk about all or nothing because, like, a few minutes ago, we were starting to get into it and starting to rant about it. Um, guys, I am not going to lie. I was a tad underwhelmed with the whole thing. I, I just thought they had a formula that they could have gone looking at Drive to Survive, and they didn't do it. And I'm really disappointed by that part of it. Um, Alex, your your thoughts first, because we're gonna think we're gonna have a, a, a bit of time here. There's a lot to get to, including the RFA stuff for Vancouver. But mm-hmm. um, how did you feel about All or Nothing? Um, okay, so my first time around, I think I'd, I think I'd agree with you. There's obviously parts that were left out um, that probably could have been included. I just, I feel to me that five episodes wasn't enough. I thought everything they included was good. And I, I don't necessarily think I would have taken out, but I would have much rather them it be 10 episodes. Let's say like, I'm just using 10 episodes as an example, rather than it be five episodes and it be condensed. Like, I think that's where if we're talking about because I, I think it's funny that when we all watched the fifth episode, we all critiqued it the exact same way. I, I think maybe because we're journalism students and that a lot of it where it came from. But it's just uh, it, there was stuff that should have been included that wasn't. And I think that was mainly because of they put themselves into we need to do it in five episodes. They just it just ends too. There's no sort of like conclusion. It's just okay. We lost by. It's so what. I, what I don't like is is 
In, in Drive to Survive, for example, there's a lot of focus in lead up to races, but then they do a very good job of, of giving the t- a race itself good time. It's not perfect. We've seen that some stuff is a bit sort of manipulated in that. But for the most part, it doesn't feel rushed. Now, what, watching it, it, it's weird, is whenever there was a hockey game, it felt extremely rushed they went through. Um, and even, like, it, it was interesting, like, the choices they made. Like, I think they talked about that series against Edmonton where the Leafs were sort of accused of being, like, if they played defense, they couldn't score. Um, it was interesting, by the way, to see that sort of rift between, like, early in the season, there was something with Matthews and Keith, even though that's probably happens all the time. I can't wait for that narrative to start this year. Is Matthews a coach killer, I think, is the joke we made. But, like, the Sens game... They rushed through it. Like, it was interesting, like, Keefe's perspective on the 5-2 goal, which is sort of, you know, you never let in that last-minute goal. But then it just kind of like, okay, go, 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 go. Especially when you got to the playoffs. Um, We'll finish at the playoffs, but I just wanted to, like, that was a big thing. Another big problem I had, guys. The the, the players, I know we all kind of were, were a bit hesitant to see what the players would say because they're players and they don't really talk a lot in the NHL. But beside Bogosian talking about like not seeing his family, which I thought was like probably the most emotional part of the whole series, really, really good. We didn't get anything from them. Like I think Morgan Riley had one sit down moment. Mitch Marner, I don't think had one. He only talked about his girlfriend how he met her. I'm sure there's a very good reason, aka how it ended for him. But yeah, it, it just feels like they 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 really cut themselves short there, and like, that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted the players' perspective on things. So for me, I think it's hard to compare Drive to Survive to this because number one, completely different sport, and the way it's done is completely different. Um, we have breaking news about Montreal, but we'll yeah, get to sorry. that later. Just because number one, you're following all 20 teams, and there's 20 races, so it, it, it's just it's completely cut in half. Like it's a quarter of the um, it's a quarter of the games that they have to cover. It's just, it, it's difficult. And they're, again, they're doing it over 10 episodes. Like I, I don't even know if 10 episodes would be enough to cover an 82 game season plus the seven playoff games that they played. Right. Like I, I use 10 as an example, but it, it's just, it, I find it hard to compare those two. Mm-hmm. I think the, the reason I, I use Drive to Survive so well is because I think like that's the perfect example of how to cover like a sports sort of season. Um, but I just, mm, you know, did you guys find it weird that there wasn't much media conversation? Excuse me, I will put, you know, when your phone gives you all your notifications and your Mac doesn't, so you think you've turned on Do Not Disturb in a minute later. It's weird that they didn't talk to any media at all. They don't trust us. Well, the players I, don't, I, so they got I, that in common. I just think, like, going back to the the um, HBO series, which I think that's the format they chose, in my eyes, and the way that they covered it. It wasn't always about the players in those series. A lot of it was behind the scenes of the coaches, because that's what a lot of people do care about. Like, yes we care about the players lives and what goes on outside of it. But I think what a lot of people want to get out of that series, like I guess the F1 series as well is what goes on behind the scenes of a, in a sports organization. And I think in my opinion, we got plenty of that. Like, I think there was so much dialogue between uh, Keith 
Dubis, Shanahan. Um, and, and, you know, you, you got those couple of clips from Paul McLean as well. Like, I think they they did a great job in trying to cover what goes on behind the scenes of an organization without divulging those secrets that um, my my guess would be some organizations wouldn't want out there. I love how when they were talking about the Felino trade, this was a part of I was really really excited for that that legit the holdup was about the fourth. <laughs> Right. It confirmed all jokes we ever had. It's like, oh, well, you know, I can't. I, I prefer 2023. Well, I want this year, said said Kakalainen. I, just, I thought that was really, really funny. But, like, hearing that and, like, Dube is, like, very clearly being like, ah, yeah, we got the lowest value in that. And seeing Shanahan in the war room, I thought it was really, really cool. It was also nice to, like, to remember Freddy. Because that back half of the season, you completely forgot he was around. Right. Uh, to be honest. But, um. Also, what I found, a scene I want to talk about, the leadership group. that I, We were kind of questioning why. So who, who again was there? It so was Riley. Riley, Tavares, yeah. Thornton, Muzzin, mm-hmm. and, and Marner. Okay. Along with Keith and Dubas. Mm-hmm. So no Nylander, but I don't, I don't think he's a big leadership guy. He didn't even get named as one of the new assist, uh, alternates no. this year. But, um, and uh, maybe Matthews wasn't there. Because he maybe he was injured around then I don't know, but it was interesting to see like that's I think I don't think that was a big secret, but like the reason I mentioned that is you mentioned Thornton. Was he just not like the biggest breath of fresh air every scene he was in? He really was. Like all those things that we talked about when they signed him, and and a lot of them, a lot of the pros weren't necessarily things on the ice. There were a lot of intangibles that are the word. That's the word everyone likes to use is intangibles. But whether it's leadership or trying to create a certain atmosphere in the room, I think that this documentary or docu series perfectly portrayed the intangibles that everyone talked about when they he signed in Toronto. Exactly. Um, something. Okay, let's talk about the playoffs for a second here, because I thought. Again, it was again. I think the the biggest problem I really have is is editing and pacing for this, um, because it felt very quick. Did you notice at the start of episode five they were showing all the Leafs fans pumping for the playoffs, but they put in Montreal's Olay chant. Oh, that was kind of weird. No, but like I you were doing like that. if you were doing like Leafs versus Habs, like you put like the Hollow Note. Maybe they they can't play the Hollow Note song, and then you're like, oh god, here's the bells and rah 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 rah. But like setting up for the playoffs, right? I hated how they presented the Montreal series. I and it's not even just that I am super biased to Montreal, but it's every it felt like key moment in that series apart from the Tavares stuff was cut out. And by the way, the Tavares stuff, whole oh, that was uh that was I thought it did a very good job of showing you the Leafs perspective on why the Perry fight happened. I still don't think it should have, but it was seeing like Hyman and that yell like John, John, John. Uh, that was not easy to watch. It was it was not. No, it, it wasn't easy to watch, and that was probably. Um, I mean, yeah, the like I like the fight. I don't like that wasn't even. I couldn't care less. Like just it, in my head, my first thought was, I want to know because. I think a lot of fans reaction was as he's moving around on the ice, like, what are they doing? Like that was literally my, 
as I'm watching this game live is what, what are they doing? Like, why are, why, what's going on? Like, why is he moving around? And I think they did. I'm glad they got the doctor to speak on it because again, uh, we're not all medical professionals. Um, So to hear from the guy who literally was in charge there to hear from him, explain it, breaking it down, made it a whole lot, I guess, reassuring in a way. Yeah. So moving on, like to, to, to the last thing I'll kind of point out about the doc. Um, so we got to see Matthews' parents talk about him as a young player, all that, woo-woo-woo. There was spotlight on Nylander's personality I thought was kind of funny. Joe, um, again, yeah, nothing about Morgan Riley. Bits about Freddie in there, Campbell too. There was very little about Marner. I think there was, at the beginning when they were introducing the players, like, hi, ah, Mitch Marner's really good. I don't think we really saw any, like, I don't think they showed many of his highlights even. They showed all of Matthews' goals. I, by the way, I don't think they did a good enough job explaining just how good he was. Um, I know they showed McDavid's like goal totals and how ahead he was, but I think they, they they needed to explain to newer fans just like, oh my god, this is sacre bleu, c'est incroyable. You know what I mean? Um, so the turning points I think you can really point at in the Montreal Toronto series were were um, you go to game five, you know, there is the overtime goal, the turnover, you know, I think they did that well enough. They pointed out Gauch and they obviously highlighted Galchenyuk and him coming in. Um, but game six, they also didn't mention, I unless I missed it, and Alex, you caught it on the, the rewatch, I don't think they even mentioned Marner and Matthews and how they weren't performing in that series. Um, no, I think they did. Yeah, they, You know how they would overlay the radio or broadcast on top of oh, it? Oh, so, okay, okay. So they did mention it. Like, it was brought up, yeah. So, now the big problem is you go to game six, Oh, oh okay. sorry. Also, they talked to Mitch. Remember, uh, Dubas talks to Mitch. Yes. Okay. We're going to get to that, by the way, because that was really, really funny, I thought. So game six is, is you know, there's, oh, hey, there are, there are fans back in the Bell Center. This is kind of hype and all that. Um, I'm going to pull a mic and say, remember when I was there? I was there. It's basically it. Um, so they all of a sudden, I noticed this and I was very annoyed by it. And Will and I very much so. So you just all of a sudden see, okay, here's Perry. I don't even, no, they didn't even show Corey Perry's goal. Um, they didn't show the Nylander goaltender interference. And then from there, they, by the way, even when Toronto were winning, I don't think they pointed out Dom Ducharme's hilariously bad goaltender interference call. And Bergevin like pointing to the screen, like, look at this. Remember the memes that came out of that? I do. So they don't show that, right? Um, so they don't show Nylander's goaltender interference, the challenge, and pivotally, I believe, they did not show Mitch Marner's delay of game penalty. And they just show, okay, here's Toffoli scoring, here are the Leafs coming back, and they glossed over KK's game winner. Now, and what's really strange is between each playoff game, they were like, okay, so now we're going to make you care about some players. Here's Jason Spezza, here's Wendell Clark all of a sudden hanging out with Felino's parents, that was really weird. And then again, it was just, I, I, and yeah, they had Jim Houston or, or whoever it was at the time. I think it may have been Craig Simpson being like, we expected more from the Leafs here, but still, I just, I, I, I didn't like it. Like that's when I think you need like the media or like other interviews there. 
Because no offense, Will Arnett, like him as a, as a narrator, I don't think was very attention grabbing. I thought it was a bit passe, passe. I just, I thought everyone was watching for that last episode. And I think they really dropped the ball there. And Whoa. what's really interesting, by the way, with that Marner interview, I don't think it made them look great that it was like, here's before game seven, our really important player. Here's Dubas saying, hey, idiot. Not, and I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit here. But here's him saying, hey there. Hey, buddy, ignore social media. You've not been good. Hurry up. Not a great sign there, but I don't know. I, I, I thought I, they really screwed it. I thought they I, did. I think they have a, they had an extremely difficult challenge of knowing the end goal of and how embarrassing it is. Again, like it's very different from Drive to Survive. And what moments in a Formula One season and the way that this that that this did? Like I, I just think it's. I think they did a great job in foreshadowing what was going to happen, even though we all know what happens. Like from mm-hmm. the first episode, literally within the first half of the episode, Keith already has an issue with with certain things that plenty of plenty of people were criticizing. Like, yeah, I again, but like I think a lot of this is time constraint. In this is in my opinion, like they could have added all this thing and. Merrick says this thing about the Olympics. Okay, so what are you going to take out? That like that that comes down to the issue. Um, and, and with the Marner stuff, in my opinion, I think I don't know how much creative control the Leafs had, and from what it looked like, I, I can't imagine they had a tremendous amount. But I think there was a little push from the Leafs to say. Let's not include Marner as much because if you know if you look at how Dubis um, specifically Dubis talks about Marner, especially in those end of season pressers, he's very not childs him or babies him, but in a way kind of does like tries to keep him out of the spotlight. And I, and maybe that's because of, and we'll get to the Robin Leonard. I, I hope we'd like, we will, but yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that connects from Robin Leonard to this situation. And I, I think they did that might've done that on purpose. If, if, if that's what happened, because we know a Nylander scene has, has apparently been cut and they apparently was the, 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 the Nylander camp didn't like how he was portrayed in it. Um, Listen, if if that's the case, Amazon, like, yeah, push back, man, because they they had the key moments in that series and they didn't show them. They they had them and they did it. Well, I'm um, sure the same thing goes on with Netflix. Like, this isn't a there's a there's a it's a business. There's two sides here. The Leafs also want to don't want to come out looking like, um, what's the word? Like they like complete assholes. There's there's two sides here. Yeah, but it's it, it, it but in drive to survive as well. It's like hey, I'm sure Ferrari don't want to talk about the season, but it happened. Like, like what was it? Is it Hockenheim? Uh, which Germany race was it where where it's the famous one that Netflix are at in Lewis, and it's a horrible race for him. They have like the fancy attire and um and like a journalist gets in with yeah, Toto. Germany. Like, you know, yeah, it's just again, yeah, there were. Listen, I get. I'll just. I'll, I'll repeat myself. Sorry, I, I am. I've been repeating it. Listen, that, that's where I stand. I, I get. There's two sides, but it was. It was what I was looking for, and it was not there. Um, 
is is what I'll say. Whenever we get to it again, and Dan was watching it, Dan will have a yes, whole thing for your thoughts on Thank it. Thank you. Um, it's still a good watch. I still think like those scenes with Dubis and whenever there was a thing in Dubis's office with Keith, I was so excited for those scenes, by the way. Yeah. Because they were, I think they were the best part, honestly. And we should actually mention this before we go. Alex, how did you feel about the uh, Jimmy VC saga there? Because I felt so bad for him there. Yeah, I, I felt, I did feel bad for him. Like it was, uh, it was rough. That was mm-hmm. uh a rough like 15 20 minutes there for a second Mm -hmm. um but before we move on just one thing about keith and dubis is in particular i think what the entire series did for me was um confirm or justify my beliefs of the season as a whole but at the same time justify my beliefs about kyle dubis that it's not I think a lot of people, and he said it, Keith said it, a lot of people see him as this one specific thing. But he grew up in hockey, and he's said this multiple times before um, in, in past interviews. So to, to see it play out behind the scenes, I think, number one, a lot of this season it, it should be held accountable. Like the players should be held accountable for that season. And mm-hmm. I think there's plenty of people – who have not, who believe otherwise, but I think this series proves a lot. 100%. Um, so it is 202, so we should be getting more waiver stuff coming up. And I hate that they moved the deadline for that, by the way. Uh, but first off, there is a bit of breaking news regarding the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and that is, or there was a, a report earlier today from a French reporter, I can't remember his name, that this was about to happen. Um, but, and I'll read an Arpan Basu tweet about it because this is exactly a, a perfect way to frame it. Uh, Jake Evans has agreed to terms on a three-year contract extension with the Habs. It's worth $1.7 million a year, seventh-round pick, 207th overall, four years of college, two years in the AHL, uh, hockey millionaire. Uh, It's a great story. Um, You guys know how much I love Jake Evans. Uh, Daniel, start with you because we haven't heard you in a little while here. Um, What a story for Jake Evans. Yeah, what a solid guy. You know, with me, I love the seventh rounders that make it. And for a guy that really went through all the steps that they tell you to do in terms of your development, right? If you're not a top pick, what do you do? You go to college. And then what do you do Mm -hmm. after that? You polish your game, you go to the AHL. And, you know, before the huge hit by Mark Shifley, I think that he became a crucial role player for the Habs. And more so now that what we're going to see him go into the lineup now, play a deeper role in that top nine, in the bottom six. So great signing for the Habs. Very nice value, I think. And I think that he's going to play above what he's being paid. It's just, mm-hmm. he's such a great guy that he took the discount. <laughs> and he, um, I don't, it's a guy that you, you really can, can see he loves playing for Montreal. So it's just one of those guys you want to keep around. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got, you know, when you're a seventh rounder, I'm sure you have that appreciation for a team that, you know, they gave you the chance. Uh, Alex, how do you feel about this deal? I mean, I think it's locking up a guy uh, who's, like Daniel said, is going to play a more important role this year, especially um, probably what third line center, if I had to take a guess, especially with Kod Kinyemi gone. And mm-hmm. I, I can't see the issue with this extension. Mm-hmm. Also, the local, sorry, 
He's no, a local ahead. guy. Local guy. Yeah, he's well, yeah, it's from uh, somewhere in the GTA. So, like, lo- so yeah, probably. So local to this podcast, not local yes. to to Montreal. Um, but Montreal. since we're on Montreal, we'll just stay there and get them done. They do claim a local Quebec guy, uh, Samuel Maltembeau, uh, Florida lose him on the waiver wire. By the way, um, no one of note got claimed off waivers. I was really hoping Montreal were going to get Kale Fleury because then they just could have pulled off the master class of asset management for the expansion draft. Uh, Clegg made it through, which was weird, but um, that's a bit of an underwhelming waiver. Every year it's like, get that guy, and no one does it. What surprised cool. me? What? They got Samuel Montebo, but they didn't get Noel Juleson. Yeah. Well, think about it. They've got a lot of stuff on D right now. Plus, I'm guessing from there, they'd have to wave him again, right? Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, they've got that flux, and Weidman's looked better, so that's good. We wish um, him the best, though, Noel Juleson. Yeah, yeah. Just, again, it's... if. If he could have stayed healthy, man, he was he was good when he was healthy. Uh, you can say that. But yeah, so Montreal claims Sam Mottenbow. I think you can kind of point towards, obviously, they want Primo to still play in the AHL. Um, they, McNiven will see. I think he actually would have just cleared as well because he was, he was on waivers. Um, but I, I see it as it's probably a sign that Carey Price will probably miss some time to start the year. That's how I see it. And they get a guy to kind of stall... To have a, like another sort of a guy who's played some NHL games, like yeah, yeah. he's been in the AHL for a couple of years now, but um, just a quiet little waiver claim, I think you can say. And then send him down, and then Florida will pick him up again because that's usually how these goalie claims work, right? Hundred uh, percent. Eric, Eric Comrie, yeah, yeah, Eric Comrie, the perfect <laughs> example. I think Anton Forsberg last year went through it a couple times, and oh yeah, you know, well, he had the blue pads when he's playing for the Sens. I remember yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. Um, two other quick things with Montreal. Starting October 8th, what a great day. Um, the Montreal Canadiens will be at full capacity at the Bell Centre. So that home opener against the Rangers, Saturday night, it's been a long, long time, but 21,000 struck. 21,000 is going to sound like 2 million, swear to God. It is, uh, it is, it is very nice to hear, gentlemen, isn't it? Very nice to hear. When will we see Adam? At a game, uh, the home opener. Home opener, okay. The home opener. Right. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm very excited. Please, some do um social media stuff for the podcast. I'll try to remember. I'm definitely okay. gonna record the intro and in that. I gotta clear up some room on my phone, but I will definitely be uh. It's for your video camera. I don't have a just a video camera. <laughs> yeah, I have I my phone. Like but... I don't think you can bring those in. <laughs> um, I have a Ryerson press pass. You should let me do this. Yeah, imagine I, I, you're in the I mean, scrimmage i can imagine that might go well i just have a feeling it might not we see this adam in the media question. scrum like after the game i imagine but it, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice and hopefully some of the injured guys are there i i because apparently he's gonna be around the team still i wonder if shea weber will be there just like in a suit and that uh that'd be nice and if carrie price is missing some time just have him out in the suit because i think especially like those two were such pillars of the cup run or not the cup run the cup finals run thanks tampa um you'd like to see them there because you you want them to get that applause but think about it like a lot of the other sort of new guys haven't played in the full bell center crowd so that will be fun to see and the last thing we're going to mention on montreal uh congratulations to jonathan Drouin. Uh, what an impact since coming back. Uh, gets the Jean Beliveau Award this year for the Montreal Canadiens. Goes towards a player who's done significant stuff within the community. And with that, it, there comes a donation the Hads will make to the um, player of choice 
uh, sorry, to the charity of choice for the player. Um, so congratulations to Jonathan. What a freaking great guy. I love him so much. Um, so like shout out to him there. We've talked about how good he is, but I thought we should mention that in passing. Uh, quickly going to the Leafs here. Uh, first off, another thing we mentioned in passing. Um, the Leafs, John Tavares is still captain, obviously, but now we know that uh, leadership is going to be a bit, uh, bit, bit, bit cool this year. They will have rotating four alternate captains. Uh, not really a surprise on who they are. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, uh, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin. I could be wrong, but I do not believe that they have said if it's like two guys away games, two guys at the home games or something like that. Or So the way it was last year is I believe they only had three alternates, which was Morgan, uh, Mitch, and Austin. I believe Mitch wore the A at home, Austin wore the, way, uh, wore the A away, and obviously Tavares wore the C. Um, it's interesting that they added Muzzin to that because, you know, Muzzin, I, I think when they wore either the retro or the St. Pat's Muzzin and Hyman wore the A, obviously Hyman's not here, but Muzzin did get the A and, and we saw an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. What are the chances just as this is being released that they give Muzzin the A as Muzzin's in the leadership meeting. So it, it shouldn't come as a surprise. No, I love it. I really love it. I, I I love Jake Muzzin. I think that he's a great leader. And for him to get, the, I think he wore the A in LA as well, right? Like his last two years there. So, I mean, it's the same run of the mill, right? Yeah. Sounds right. And uh, there was that scene in All or Nothing where they're like, he brings the, the Stanley Cup thing and they pan to him talking about defense and pressure and all that. So that's pretty neat to see. Also, I'd like to see at least one alternate over the age of 30. Is what's yeah, that's why that's why I'm like, I wanted oh, Jake. Muzzin. Oh, so yeah. I thought you were still asking for it. I'm like, Jake wasn't. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah Jake, he's 32, <laughs> but I'm saying like, it's like Matthews, Marner, Riley, they're all under 30. Um, Muzzin did not play, uh, sorry, did not have an A, but he did have a C playing for the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL. Okay, there it is, 2010. We can't forget about that, absolutely not. Um, for more informers, Cal Dubis didn't forget about that. Of course not, and he didn't forget about that with uh, with his coach Sheldon. He's been extended, by the way, Mister Sheldon Keith, to a two year extension. Report on insider trading. Still weird to see CJ there. Uh, then Dubis said, I believe, on Tim and Sid on Friday that uh, apparently it was done early in the summer, and they just quietly put it under the table. And I guess it took people a while to figure out. Cool. Well, but, as uh, the yeah. Lu- as the Lou saying goes, take as much time as you need. So. Does anyone else kind of overthink that it's two years here? Or is that just me? Um, I don't remember who tweeted it, but it, it was they were wondering how long Dubis's contract is. Yeah, and if that's what they're lining it up for, I I just I I feel like the two years might be an overthinking. Like I think we were so used to seeing the coaches get these five-year contract, four or five-year contracts, right? Like, I, I think with all these big coaches in the big markets recently have gotten these long extensions. For me, at least, the two years is, listen, you had a COVID-shortened season, well, you had two COVID-shortened seasons, and you came in halfway through a year, right? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot is riding on this year, obviously, because if it doesn't go well, uh, I, I said this a few weeks ago, there's going to be changes. Uh, I, I just, I don't see an issue with the two years in my mind. 
Mm-hmm. Dan? I I don't know. In a way, like, is expected for me that he wasn't going to get the four or five years because of the way the Leafs really view how they want to see the results in terms of what's going to happen now or what they're going to do with this core right now. So I, I like that it aligns with that where they have a guy in Sheldon Keith where he's the coach that I think meshes a lot better with the players that they have right now and what they're trying to do. So it is all about like, let's do what we can, let's do what we can now. And let's just worry about everything else. You know, the draft picks, the, the coach itself, like what we're going to do afterwards when we can see how far we can take this in the short term. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Cause I I was thinking, all right, so this year, and then it's one more year because if they lose in the first round, then you know new GM and everything comes in, and they do it a year to see if he's there or got not, and then they they go from there. So okay, good to know I'm a, I'm I'm just going a little crazy here. All right, uh, the big hockey news of the week really though is to do with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and we'll focus on first Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson. So Quinn Hughes, a six-year contract extension, beautiful. Uh, the total value of the deal is forty-seven million one hundred thousand, and the AAV is—it's pretty nice to be honest. Yeah. It's seven point eight five million dollars per year. Now, before anyone comes up to me and says, "Hello there, Adam. What about UFA years?" I don't care. Right now, for the next six years, he'll be making less money than like Darnell Nurse, Zach Gorensky, and all the likes. I think it's a home run deal. What about you, fellows? I like it a lot. I really like it. Um, that was the one. Like I knew that they weren't able to extend them both long term. So to get at least one of the cornerstones down. And again, when you talk about the UFA years, it's about what the Canucks have to do. And it is to minimize the mistakes this offseason. So getting them down to contracts is great. You know, just look at that success right now. And we're going to talk about the next contract with Elias Pedersen. That's something else to worry about. But for now, it's just get back to having two of your best players on the team and try to build something from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I think uh, with both these contracts, if you're looking at it short term, um, they're really good. And obviously with Quinn Hughes long term, it, it looks really good as well. You know, Kale McCarr got uh, what was it? $9 million for six years as well. So to get him under $8 million in my eyes for the same term is also in my eyes, it is really good. Um, with Pedersen, the three years is the three years. You have three years to do this really well, then you're going to deal with this again. Mm-hmm. Right? That that would be the concern. And I believe I saw this morning, uh, Dreger reported that the last year is over $10, $10.25 million mm-hmm. uh, for Pedersen's deal. So that will be quite interesting because he can walk to UFA if he just takes the qualifying offer. Okay, and, and, and with that, uh, yeah, Elias Patterson, um, because, okay, yeah, Elias Patterson, this is a three-year deal. It's total $22 million spare change, 7.35 is the AAV. He will be in RFA at the end of it, but it's one year away from UFA, uh, UFA uh, with arbitration rights. Now, people are getting this really confused, so we're going to put it out on the table, and I, I even, I reread the CBA earlier today. The qualifying offer is 8.82. It's yeah. not 10. It's not 9. It is not 12. It is 8.8, okay? Yeah, because they it changed is. it, right? Is that what yes. they did in the last amendment where they made the smallest change? Um, yes. Had to do with, yeah, it, it's it's weird, but it, it, is, it is 120% of the cap hit. 
I'm really glad that's what the PA is concerned about, by the way. Yeah, I will get to that. So, um, so glad. I'm checking so, right now cap friendly for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Pedersen deal lines up really well when Tanner Pearson and Tyler Myers come off the books. Sorry, say that again? When um the, the Pedersen contract mm-hmm. lines up really well when Tyler Myers and Tanner Pearson both come off the books. Well, what's interesting is you just got to wonder, yeah, who they're, they're going to need it because I think it's before that is Horvat, right? You have mm-hmm. it up. Can you screen share it? Yes, but you are going to laugh at the amount of tabs I have open. All right. It's a lot of tabs. Yeah. Oh, Three, God, Daniel. Okay, six. I got to zoom in to get a look at this. So, All right, so I'll start with oh, soccer, the... Tanner Pearson. Right. Yeah. Okay, and so then you see it so uh, 3.25 yeah. and then tyler myers it's actually two years yeah so it'd be yeah. okay and jason dickinson jason dickinson yeah but that's actually okay i know he's a good player he's a great player great two-way guy plays the bottom six really well but i'm like that was kind of pricey for when they got i know they traded a pick for him but i'm like maybe the best has yet to come for Jason Dickinson because he's been sheltered a lot in Dallas. Yeah. Well, still, you guy, you can play defensively. If he's on a strict role like that, I think he, he should be fine. Um, okay. Well, it's good because regardless, they're going to need the money because with that, him being one year away and just like one contract away for that qualifying offer, um, Patterson all of a sudden will have all of the leverage. Especially that if there are reports are true that he took a little less to help make this deal happen. That's going to be the big thing with Vancouver. And it, yeah, they need to make sure they have deals that are expiring alongside of him. So you're going to have that room. Because as we know, the Canucks just love to sort of spend their money. And they need to make sure Patterson is the first priority. If I saw somebody say, hey there, so Patterson and Hughes are at fault for this going so long because they've been rejecting the deals, and that's why this has taken so long, even though OEL has been worked on for like two years now. They saw the extra year of Tucker Pullman. It's interesting. I don't know. I I just think there's the Besser and the Horvat deals are going to be, even the JT Miller deal, like if you're Vancouver – that's the last guy you want to lose, right? Because he's been quite important to this team uh, on the ice and seemingly off the ice as well, even though he doesn't have an A. But it it's just you got to get this – you got to get those done. And it's just going to be – I'm really curious to see what, what that next negotiation looks like for Pedersen depending on – what those negotiate, how those negotiations go for those three other forwards in particular. It's it's, it's going to be an interesting next few years for this team. Mm-hmm. As it always is with the Vancouver Canucks, they're always a story to keep an eye on. But do you know what? At least for now, we can say this, right? That regardless of how the Canucks handle it, for the next three years at least... Their number one center is locked up. They've got their best defense and locked up, and their goalie is locked up. Like we said for Kaprizov, he may leave at the end of it, but guess what? Minnesota have him for five more years. It's better to have the player than not to. They're difficult right. to replace, especially but, considering 
Patterson was a, a steal at like six or whatever it was. But at the same time, it's up to Jim Benning to surround the rest of that team with the best team possible. Mm-hmm. And he's got to do that. And I think the top six looks great. The defense looks a little shaky, but he's got to do his best job, right? It's it's a two-way street there to have them, have them under contract, but you also have to surround them with the best possible team. It's great to have these players, but... Mm-hmm. A lot of young guys they're going to have to kind of depend on right now to see why, where are they going to fit. Like, I'm looking at Rathbone, and I'm looking at Vasily Podkolzin, and, like, how's... Like, where is he going to start? Is he going to play in the top six? Is he going to be someone that you know, kind of assimilates the game a lot better than like we've seen with a lot of younger guys coming up right away. Because like I remember Vitaly Kratsev was hyped up to help the Rangers, but we didn't really see much of that, Where it's, which is expected. Mm-hmm. Question. Yes. Does Brock Besser get traded? We have to have this conversation. Will they be able to afford all of them? Because you, it's Besser up this year, right? Yeah. Yes. Besser I mean, is indeed up this year. Like all their other, I think we joked about this when Alex was was sick. It's all the money and restricted free agents they have this year, or UFAs, whatever, is all going to Besser, right? So, well, all right. Not to choose. Else? It's going right? to be like Besser, Miller, Horvat. I mean, you choose Besser. Yeah. Younger guy. What about the leadership? If you remember the leadership, it's their team. Matt Martin or Mitch Marner. Matt, no, you don't. You don't go Matt Martin. You go Mitch Marner to, to get the best player. It's simple as that. Keep them together. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Martin and Mitch Marner too. Mm-hmm. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry, just that's just really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you guys want to mention with the Canucks? No. Okay, they're a good team. Hopefully, they did something right. They did. Honestly, credit, especially that Hughes deal. Like I love that Hughes deal so much. Um. Poor guy got really, uh, really messed with that that silly team. Okay. Oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. We're going to talk about something a little serious here. So Drew Wheeler, reporter in Philly, decided to have a little tweet here where he said, Sources, the Flyers training staff reportedly gave Nolan Patrick non-prescribed Ambien, and I'm going to say this wrong, I'm sorry, benzodiazepines? to help with his traumatic head injury while not disclosing the medication given to him uh, at the time. And he follows that up by saying to everyone thinking the source is Robin Leonard, that is 100% incorrect. Now, you might be wondering, well, that's kind of weird. Why would you assume that it's uh, Robin Leonard? Well, uh, Robin Leonard, over the last few days, has really made um, a lot uh, a lot of noise. He has a Spin Chicklets interview. I haven't fully listened to it yet. Um, but where I am, he's talking about his time in Buffalo and his shootouts. But um, if you go to Robin Leonard's Twitter, he has been very critical about the way Buffalo have been handling Eichel's situation. He talks about that ankle injury he had when he was in Buffalo and talking about how it like ruined his entire year. Um, and he also talks about some of the distribution of drugs and not being you know, actually prescribed to players. And as a result, Elliot Freeman has reported that apparently the league want to interview Robin Leonard about this. Um a very messy situation, um, but I, I, it's at times like this, I think this league is very happy, or sorry, not not happy, obviously not, um, but I think the league in their back pocket should be grateful to have Robin Leonard in this league. 
Um, because if this is true, uh, this is a massive red flag for the NHL. I, I think they're happy to have him in the league, but I don't know if they're happy that he's now talking about this. If this is going on in more than one organization, I, I, I just find it interesting that the NHL wants to talk to him, but the PA is, again, once again, very, very silent, mm-hmm. uh, which is a separate issue. But I, it's just very concerning. Um, and I find it interesting, Robin, it's what, it's Robin Leonard that got everyone's attention. Like this isn't new. This really isn't news because it's not new. Um, there's been, this has been talked about. Rick Westhead wrote a story about this stuff like this. Uh, Dan, Dan Carcillo has been talking about this for years. Like this it's just, I find it interesting that this is now it that's, that's brought it over the edge. And now the NHL wants to get involved when former players have been talking about this for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something too to think about is because Robin Leonard already, we know has that platform as a current, like I'll say all-star caliber player. And when I think about what they've said before, where you have a guy like Dan Carcillo speaking out on so many issues, but it's a former enforcer. And I'm talking about, right? Like a guy that has brought up a lot of the situations with things. And when you think about who, and I'll use the Chicago example, where a lot of people are saying like, all right, like what is Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane talking about? Like, what are they saying? And then we get Patrick Kane say something where it's like, he's unfortunate. He was, he had no knowledge of what was really going on at the time, at the time, and at the time. And it just would like Carcillo right now. And I think he brought up the Steve Monador example, where was it 19 concussions? Yep. Where again, it's another guy where, in Carcelo's tweets, and again, like it's him the one saying this that 19 concussions and the way they kind of treated with the guy was they just kind of quote unquote blackballed him and they sent him to the AHL during the Stanley Cup run. Mm-hmm. I would like to, I'm just going to quickly get up Robin Leonard's Twitter for a second here. Um, because uh, I think it's been telling you everything you need to know. I saw somebody say something on one of the replies to one of his tweets saying like, oh, we shouldn't believe Robin Leonard. You know, he's he's not in a good way. Like, is there a player in this league who cares more about his mental health and his well-being than Robin Leonard? Yeah, because it's the guy who's actually done something for his mental health who is not well. I saw that. I think I saw a similar comment, something along the lines of Robin is not well. Like the one guy who's now like who's who's done what has what he needed to do to deal with his issues is the guy who is now well, not the ones who are being subjected to 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 all these things that Robin Leonard has talked about. Like if if what is Robin Leonard is saying, if what Robin Leonard is saying is true, like that is genuinely horrendous, like genuinely and 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 the league should be ashamed of itself like in in so many ways in in more than one cuz i i finished the robin leonard interview and i i understand there's not many people um are fans of barstool and spain chicklets but go listen to the go listen to the robin leonard interview like genuinely go listen to it to hear what he has to say because he makes a lot of very good points that 
in my opinion, aren't necessarily new, shouldn't be new to hockey um, and hockey Twitter. And he knows the gravity of what he's doing. In one of his tweets, he says, I know the NHL is probably going to cancel me. So this is a tweet that he had um, or a, a thread he had about 16 hours ago. Well, is it common for workplace to give out benzodiazepines? I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to pronounce this drug. Uh, benzodiazepines to employees when they travel um, in Ambien? Should that not be done by doctors or psychiatrists asking for a friend? He does the eye emoji. Um, that doesn't happen in Vegas, to be clear, but I know many other teams. I also been in on that teams that do. I. It's his, his language. I don't know if, I was, if I'm the only one thinking this. It's a bit kind of iffy sometimes. Um, I, I don't think English is his first language either. So I think he's maybe a bit more blunt because he's Swedish, right? I don't know if he's like born, like raised in Sweden. You know, like, hey, Galchenyuk, born in the States, raised in Russia. Um, and then he goes, hashtag flyer, Philadelphia Flyers, dinosaur coach treating people like robots, not human. Fire those dinosaurs. Fire hashtag Vino. First story, I got proof. Try to shake um, your way out of this one. And they say Ambien is sleeping pills. Um is sleeping pill. It's funny that rehab told me that's why didn't have REM sleep. Eight years, no REM sleep. Great, but yeah, just uh, just sleeping pills. Uh, that is a mighty, a mighty uh, bold statement, <laughs> for Leonard yeah. to throw out there. It's a it's a huge statement, uh, especially if it's true, uh, and uh, I hope every I hope every person involved is at that meeting uh who makes decisions at the nhl is it is at that meeting that may or may not take place because at this point it's just a plan to reach out and you know the nhl says all these great things and follow through isn't fantastic but yeah just it's it's ridiculous man and uh i i you know the comments that get to me the most are the attention ones where it's it's just for the attention, and it's, this isn't the first time that uh, I've I've seen comments like that. Not just with Robin Leonard, with plenty and plenty of people. Mm-hmm. It's like the shock, like I hate those. Like the shock humor ones, or the ones that kind of twist twist things in like a certain way just to get like the likes or like get the reaction. Or it's like you didn't really read the tweet, or you just completely misinterpreted it on purpose like that's it sometimes it's very clear when people are doing that and it's it's you're not getting the point you're just i want to shake you and say you're not getting the point he's trying to make listen i'm just thankful that robin leonard is at least speaking his mind um and i think like in that interview um with spin chickles he called hockey players were robots because man, it's, they are. Unfortunately, yeah. um, it's just again all or nothing. Not many of those players had a lot. You know, we didn't. We had our chances and we didn't score. It's like, oh god, here we are again. Um, but that's performing in the game. But this is a much more serious matter. By the way, like Loki, if if that's true, what's been going on with Nolan Patrick? Um, and that guy's had so many headache problems, and like it's it's almost derailed his career. Man, you hope he gets he gets it sorted out in the new year. Um. New season, new team, I should say. Uh, moving on to a bit of a lighter subject, but not for too long. Um, first off, we knew about Alex Clark in the WHL. Now we have Kirsten Welsh, who will be the first OHL lineswoman in history. And apparently, 
Uh, I want to say it was Freeman who first said this. Sorry if I'm misremembering anyone else. You great reporters in hockey. Um, apparently, the league, the NHL, are low key behind the scenes trying to say, you know, maybe we should, you know, what's this diversity and inclusion in the league? Uh, we should maybe do some of that. We're not Why very is good it at it. Key? I don't understand. I know, it's a, it should be. It's a long time coming. That should happen already. Oh, yeah. Like in the NBA, has female refs. Like I, it's just odd to me that the NHL. It, because Friedman did report it in a way that said behind the scenes they'd like to have it. I, I think it was Friedman. But it's just why is it that it's like why? Why you gotta do it behind the scenes though? Like what seems to be the issue with saying this out loud? Just saying, hey, just put out a statement like we're trying to do this, even if people are then like, ah, you suck. And then you're you're making the intentions though. I still forever I remember that that post Anaheim put out last year. Where they, they made this big Twitter statement about this is our plan to turn Trevor Zegras into a centerman. And I remember thinking, that's kind of weird, but it's, it's I think, Daniel, you made the point. It's kind of cool that they're being transparent about it. Because, um, I mean, it's not like it would have been a big secret where all of a sudden here's this guy playing center and all that. I can't wait till he comes second in cold voting, by the way, because, you know, he's not cold. It's it's like the Rangers and the, um, and the Blackhawks coming out and saying, hey, we're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we like didn't the really, Blackhawks were just kidding. We're just, yeah, <laughs> like we didn't need to know that. That was impertinent information for you to send out to your fan base, but they did it, and it was received somewhat well. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Congratulations to Kirsten Walsh. Yeah, congrats to the OHL. Yeah, I think the Q is the only one left that needs to do something like that. So you know, get on it, please. Okay. Um, talking about big leagues and that. Well, guys, um, the IIHF are kind of quiet with this Smeric stuff or Sumeric stuff, aren't they? Because there's still been no sort of update about what they're doing on, you know, the again IIHF side of things here. It's uh, when again did this incident happen? More than a week ago now. A little more than Sometime. a week, yeah. A week to two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, their one thing was, we talked about last episode, especially Alex made the point of, like, it, it, it is just sort of a new regime for the IIHF. They got to make this right. It's it's taking a while right now. Unless they're making some detailed super thing of, like, including if he wants a chance to do this, he's got to show this, this, and this. Like, for example, I meant to say this last episode, if I was running the UHL, what I would have done is I wouldn't have banned him right away. I'd give him a year, and then there's, like, an evaluation thing. That you need to make sure they, to see, give him the chance to see if he changes. And if not, boom, then he's gone, gone. Because you still have to, you have to have room to show that the player can can change, right? Um, and listen, it did not look good for him that right away his apology was half-assed. But still, um, like, that's what I would have personally done. Agree with it, disagree, I don't mind. Um, but the, maybe that's why. Otherwise, I don't understand what's taking the IIHF so long here. It's it's not difficult to make a decision here. No, uh, it's not. And, and and they just, their job's not getting easier. Uh, obviously, with the, the general manager of the UHL getting fired uh, the day after the suspension was announced, or two days after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, he had that tweet. I'm going to see if I can pull that up real quick but it like you have to this is a statement and, and i'd rep from the double ihf i'd rather hear we are still deliberating on how we are going like what 
this punishment's going to look like than rather be quiet. Like it's the quietness. It's the, it's like, there's this sense of impending doom that's coming. Like I like how tell us what's happening. Like what's going on behind the scenes. Like, because now, now we're left with this big encompassing issue of, well, this guy just got fired because he spoke out about the issue along with the UHL just banned this guy for 13, only 13 games. Um, yeah, of course. What Alex means there is uh, Eugene Kolashev. I'm probably saying that wrong too. Uh, who was the GM of the UH, uh, UHL? Was if you remember when he was one who first announced the the decision of the suspension, and he was funny enough. He was replying to like every sort of reply, and he was yeah. like, "Who made this decision?" And he would list them. And hindsight, oh well, uh, I wonder why he was being so key about who was making what decision. I'm gonna get the tweet up here right now. Um, you guys ever open the link to a tweet and for some reason it's like, it's not here and you refresh it and it's back. That always happens. Anyway, this is from his Twitter account. Quote, I've spoken openly about hashtag racism in Ukrainian hockey and the Ukrainian Hockey Federation. Fired me as GM of the UHL today. Will it solve the problem? No. Will it silence me? No. My voice has been ignored in the decision over the penalty against Andre Danishkin. Who, has, um, who showed a racist gesture to Jalen Samaric. I am publicly appealing to the IIHF hockey to conduct its own investigation of the incident and help hashtag end racism. Jalen, we got your back. And also on the back of that, CJ reported on uh, Insider Trading, still weird, um, that apparently there are AHL teams looking to bring him overseas. Um, and one you can really think of is he used to play for the... Um, for the Road Runners, who are the the Coyotes AHL affiliate, and let's not forget that I, I believe it's Alex Morello who is the head of the Inclusion Council or a, a part of it for the NHL. So um, that would make sense. And it's not about PR; it shouldn't be, I should say. But the Coyotes need some good PR in that department after the Mitchell Miller stuff. Yeah, and the upper management issues that the Athletic had reported. Uh, a couple months yeah. ago, a few uh, months ago, months Katie ago. Strang, Katie Strang, what a, what a woman. <laughs> Has it been an update reporter? yet Sorry. on their home games? Like, what's going on with that? Well, Because I'm thinking of the upper management. Play. This year they are playing in uh, their arena, and, and next year is too far down the line for the NHL yeah. to worry about. <laughs> All right. Okay. We have a time. Do you guys, do you guys finally want to get to the goalie stuff? Okay. Yeah, just one last thing for this um, UHL stuff. Uh, the double IHF, with in terms of dealing with the UHL, they really do have to do something. Like, this isn't a great precedent uh, to set, unless we're absolutely missing something here on the poor job for poor performance of Eugene um, Kolachev. Like, there needs to be something done. Just be, because he spoke out of it does not mean he should be getting fired. It's not a great look. No, no. It, it did, by the way, it looks back to everything Mike was saying about us. And again, like, listen, that part of Europe, again, is not great for it, but I wonder if he does like any sort of interviews to get about this because I would like to know more details about this stuff. I hope so. If he's willing to, like, I genuinely hope uh, outlets across, like I'm sure in, in 
like Sweden and Denmark, I'm sure that as countries who kind of enjoy hockey, they'd be willing to listen in North America, especially ESPN, TSN, Sportsnet, like the TNT. Like there's plenty of people who ha- are great at interviewing who could really do a job with this story. It was, by the way, it was nice. This isn't a reporter, but uh, it was nice to see Alan Walsh back the Robin Leonard stuff today. And I think he was also retweeting like some of the Rick Westhead stuff too. Yeah. Um, so again, it, I remember who was it? So it was when Elliot mentioned that Leonard on Twitter, Leonard was going to be talked to by the NHL. Somebody like replied to him say, okay, that's cool. But are you going to talk about it? And I thought, yeah. Ooh, that's, um, that's a very good point to make. A very good point. To make. I mean, I love these guys. Uh, we talk about them all the time, but they're, they've been eerily quiet on plenty of plenty of issues going on recently. Um, retweeting is great, but there's more to it than that. Did any of say, them say something t- in the retweet? That's what I, <laughs> you know like, I mean? have they mentioned sorry, Dan, but like, have they anyone when the news about the um, like one of the altered situation, the one we talked about last week, did any of them like mention it? Because, um, because I, I know we really. were delayed on the show doing something, I can't remember, we, we didn't get to it. I think it was we had a really busy episode, but still, like, in that time, no one talked about it. So, the off the top of my head. I believe, obviously, it was talked about on TSN, not a whole lot, but uh, not really. Like, SDB was talking about it more than anybody else, which I love those guys, but they're not as big as Sportsnet. Not yet, at least. Like, I can imagine a day where they are, but they're not as big as these companies. They don't have the pull or um, the audience. Yeah, the influence that that the those guys those three guys are now five guys do all right lads to finish off shall we talk about the goalies then sure we have been meaning to talk about these extensions for three or four episodes now but uh, it's a lighter topic yeah um goalie contracts comparables that's such we got a pair here i'll ask each of you about one of them so um daniel you like Mm -hmm. the ducks yeah. This has nothing to do with the Ducks, but it's a team in their division. You the Anaheim, not the Anaheim Kings, the LA Kings have given a three-year contract extension to young man Cal Peterson, the goalie of the future, $15 million. That's a three-year deal that is worth $5 million as the AAV. Not bad. Okay, so I know he's great, and I know that the team hasn't been too great around him. So I admit that it's a bit pricey per year for what he's actually like played the last two years. And I know it's been shortened seasons, but the Kings clearly believe in him. And it's not a huge long-term kind of thing. I think it's just kind of like, you're going to be our guy moving forward. And then we're going to look into the extension after these three years, where hopefully all those young guys we hoarded are, are NHL ready to turn this franchise around. I want to say he had like a 9-11 last year on a pretty like meh LA Kings LA Kings team, and you know they've talked about him for years and that. Not to mention it would be cool, kind of cool to you see what like the likes of like what does Deneau's play do for like to make him and and, and Jonathan Quick's job a little easier. Um, and again, like yeah. you know they've got like- some young guys are going to be playing up and down the lineup that you'd hope like yeah you're gonna, you can score, but those are the guys you're also going to be wondering like how are they going to play defensively? How's that yeah. going to help out? And yeah. They also, also have a pretty mean defense core too. 
Yeah, of course. Um, I'd like to actually point out what we said earlier in the episode. Is the reason why we love Jake Evans is also a reason why I also like Cal Peterson. Is because he was a really late round pick and he was a college guy. And then he signed he actually was drafted by Buffalo. Yeah, and then he signed yeah, and he signed with the Kings. So very under the radar. He played three years at Notre Dame. Was it only three? Yes. Oh, I see four years. That's strange. I think yeah, but you think he was the captain there? Cool story. Very very nice guy. Hopefully he can provide a bit more offense though. But okay, okay. Uh, Alex, you get the other one. It's a twenty-seven million dollar total deal. The AAV is five point four. It's a five-year deal. Elvis Merlinkins has been paid. He's not left the building. He's actually walked into the building to get paid, and he's left with a cannon firing behind him. Because we did say that, right? Uh, that was an episode name, actually, uh, back in the summer when there were rumors of them trading one of their goalies. Uh, again, like I, I, I'm interested to see what the future of goalie contracts are because we always have this discussion, and we had it when those three goalies signed. Uh, it was Hart, uh, Shosturkin, and I believe Sorokin, where they signed those deals and were like – well, they have no NHL experience or limited NHL experience, right? Uh, and Merzlinkins is the same, 61 games played. And he did play, of course, in Europe. He played in the Swiss League for Lugano. So again, like those numbers must be coming up in play because he's been impressive, but to have 61 games played and to be paid $5.4 million dollars is also a lot of money. And I, I genuinely believe across all these contracts, with the exception of Cal Peterson, that his European hockey did play an impact into this. But I, I don't necessarily mind the number if he keeps up the way he's been playing. You're I was muted. muted. Yeah. That was oh, awkward. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were waiting for me to say something. No. Well, if you want, you know what? Why not? Alex, you want to talk about Peterson? Daniel, want to talk about Elvis? Go ahead. Okay. Um, I I mean, the Pedersen one is, as you said, it is a tad steep. But this is kind of your goalie for the future, right? Uh, you're. I'm sorry, Jonathan Quick. You're in the next two years, you're probably not going to be the starter of this team, unfortunately. But I do see the future of Cal Peterson and He's 26 years old. We know how goalies are. It's the, the decline for goalies is not the same way it is for a player. Once they hit 30, it's it, it gets it, the, the the downhill starts going a little faster, but not with goalies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for Elvis Mers Lincolns, I think that it came down to what Columbus wants to build there. And in terms of you know, you really have to kind of pick one guy because you're not gonna pay. Unless you're the Vegas Golden Knights, you're not going to pay two starting goalies to keep on moving forward. And I know that the Blue Jackets have an abundance of other goalies coming up that they're eventually want to see them in the NHL. Like I, on the top of my head, I just know Daniil Tarasov is one goalie that they have in the system. And with Corpusalo, like he has been good, he's been their guy here and there. But I think that. You could have gone with either of them and been okay and get assets eventually. I know that one of them, when I, I picked two of them during the trade deadline, um, our trade bait list, that yeah. one of them was going to get traded 
sooner sooner rather than later. And it was the I rumor had, for like a month. Yeah, I had one of them going to Carolina. I remember that was one of the scenarios. But yes, yes. Yeah, I think eventually we're going to see either a Jonas Carposalo trade before the season starts or they're going to ride this throughout the season, try to maximize the value, and then he'll be on the list again when we revisit it. I don't want to start a rumor on the show, but I'm going to start a rumor on the show. Friedman, I mean, I think Merrick and Friedman have both said they do not think Edmonton is done. I mean, he said that I'm pretty sure he said the same thing last year, but Merrick seems to think um, Hudobin. I believe yeah. is his pick. Yeah. I mean, listen, if they're willing to trade one of these guys, Jonas Cobersolo. Yeah, I don't but what the question I have there is is not what more like if, if Columbus are rebuilding. By the way, I th- I liked in 32 Thoughts where Freeman's like, don't say rebuilding around Rorensky. That's a good attitude to have. Yeah. Um why the heck would Dallas trade um, Kadobin because they want to put God, uh, don't they want Ottinger to have another year in the A? Why the well, hell are they, they trading Kadobin? Uh, well, they have Holtby, remember, right? Oh, so. yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah. Isn't Bishop like dead Bishop for the year is out, yes. Um, yeah. no, I, you know, I think he also didn't he not also send him to <laughs> did he not say Hudobin was going there last year too? Like, America, I think I don't know, but it, it's just. Listen, you're you're right, Dallas. I mean, they could put Jake Ottinger in if they wanted to. Yeah, he's already played in the enough. NHL. Yeah, fair enough. You know, goalies though they're did, strange. Didn't he play in the playoffs? Oh yes, he, he did. Yeah, yeah like in the one bubble, or two games. Yeah, <laughs> he played two games in the bubble. Well, that's what you expect if you pick a goal in the first round. They have to play right away. Yeah, but then again, remember that bubble was like, it didn't matter who the other goalie was. Kadobin carried them. Yeah. People forget just he got a lot. He earned himself a lot of money that playoffs. Was he not up that year or the year after? No, that year. He was up that year. That was very good. Not to mention he's a little older. He got some pretty sick. 34, uh, right? Around there. It's 2006 draft, right? Yeah. Or 2004 draft. I actually Ooh, wow. right now. Anger played 29 games last year. He was 11, 8, and 7, 9, 11 save percentage, and a 2.36 goals against average. Not bad. Not too shabby. I wonder what Dallas are going to do this year. Oh, They're just to confirm. Good. Yep. Anton Kedobin is 35. He was 206 overall in 2004 by the Minnesota Wild. Wow. Really? Yes. How did. That's an interesting career to look at one day. I have another okay. fun fact because I did this for the hockey writers. Okay. Before the selection of a Kirill Kaprasov in 2015, Anton Hudobin was their last Russian draft pick before him. Really? That was 11 years between decent. picking a Russian in the draft. Decent players. Decent players. All right. It feels like the 80s. <laughs> Don't take the Russians. They won't come over. Whatever. Just pick him in the late rounds is, you know, you never know. Hey, Datsuk. Oh, should be Hall of Famer one day. How much longer till Datsuk can go in the Hall of Fame, I wonder? Because he better be there he's, right away. He's still playing right now, right? Is it is it the thing of retiring from Hall? Oh, yeah, because it's not the yes. NHL Hall of Fame. It's, it's the, hockey. the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. So does that mean we have to wait like five years? They better make a rule for Yager. He's 49, oh yeah. Yes, yes. Considering right now, he's not even just like, he, he, he should be there in the builder. Because the way it sounds like he has to play it for Gladno. Seeing him and Placanix play together is the funniest thing, by the way. <laughs> David Krejci's around overseas, too, just killing it. 
because he can. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, that's everything for today. Um, what are we? When are we recording next? What's the date of next Wednesday? Seventh. Uh, Wednesday is the sixth. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what we're gonna be talking about, but hopefully it's some content. Hopefully not another Van de Kane uh, investigation. That'd be nice. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. Beside that, we're done. Voice Ed, great platform as always. Check out Daniel's stuff for CGRU and uh, his old, all his other stuff that he's always done. Great guy. Alex's blog, my YouTube channel. Uh, shout out to Josh Norris not getting suspended for just destroying and concussing Sammy Niku because player safety cares. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah. I Facebook and Twitter and all that for the show. TikTok, always a great time. Um, has Jagmeet Singh made a new TikTok since the election yet? Do we know that? Are you still pending for that? I am waiting. I want to see the response. We need, we need a new platform. <laughs> yeah. We need a new... Uh, uh, uh. Friend. We need a new a trend. true trend. Yeah. No, no. The answer no? is no. Okay, we'll wait. I think mm-hmm. no. Okay. All right, Bye, then. guys. Goodbye.